good vibes. A good evening. I do not attempt to adjust your radio. There is nothing wrong. The Knutsons. have taken control as to bring you this special show. Who are the Knutsons? Only good vibes. Only good vibes is the plan. Only good vibes, good vibes. Okay, this is called the Knutson Effect. Hi, Nathan, you all right? Hello. How are you? Things. Very good, man. Very good. Thanks for only good vibes here in Manchester. You know. <laughs> we all we all need good vibes right about now, Nathan. <clears throat> yeah, well, I'll try and give you some. <laughs> <laughs> That's really how's things going down there just now? To be honest, man, it's all right. Uh, I ignore the news now. <laughs> I I've got a rhythm to my days and my weeks. It is what it is. I kind of creating lots of nice little playlists and <laughs> just, I don't know, really. I'm keeping busy, to be honest. Aww. I am keeping busy, but I've got three kids and, you know, like we just did a big renovation on the house and that's done. Right. So mm. I feel like quite chilled now because that was quite stressful. And now I'm like back in my house and everything's kind of cool. So excellent. Excellent. how's the home? You managed to get the renovation done before all this happened? Well, to be honest, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was planned last year and then obviously uh, we were going to pause it and then we the builder said he could do it and we're like, let's just do it. So yeah. we just jumped in and did it. And even if I, if all went wrong, I was still like, no matter what, I need to do it. So I just did it. And uh, I think I trusted the universe was going <laughs> to get me through. <laughs> Happy news. <laughs> yeah. How, how's the homeschooling going, Nathan? Are you learning a lot? <laughs> <laughs> For me, I think... <laughs> I realise now how badly I really did do at school. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for me, I think maths. I mean, I can't even do year five maths, let alone bloody GCSE maths. So I mm-hmm. kind of go a bit bamboozled at that point, but uh, not really good, really, for someone who runs a business. But uh, yeah, I think... You just delegate that. Yeah, add, yeah. Well, adding it up, I'm, f- I'm fine. Adding and taking away, I'm fine. With. I'm just thinking there's an opportunity maybe to reach out to the genre music family and all the artists out there, musicians and DJs. If you, I know it's a bit hard to call because it's uncertain times, but have you got any advice for them right now and possibly a, a glimmer of hope of what's coming in the future then? Yeah, so if you'd asked me this in September, I might have just cried, but I think now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all I would say really to everyone is, you know, keep keep creative i think you know keep getting your music and yeah. be ready and i yeah. do think to be honest having spoken to some clients over the last kind of couple of weeks and reading a lot of the music new well, more the news that i am engaged with with genre which is hospitality news and engaging in that world it's going to come back and it'll come back strong and i don't think it'll be a tsunami it will still go back to a tier system and stuff and we'll start getting some gigs but I think once it comes back, we'll have a number of different types of opportunities. We'll have alfresco stuff because people want to do stuff outside. We'll have lots of kind of Friday and Saturday night. Every person will want to have something better than the other operator. A good analogy really for me is something I talked about the other day because I've got a couple of new business things that are happening. One in Chester. We've got the Alchemist opening in Edinburgh. Yep. You know, we've got the Ivy opening in Liverpool. You know, there's stuff going on across the country that's still going to happen. We've got new sites in Sheffield that we're talking about, Exeter, all over the country. I think realistically, 21, 22, I think I'm already talking about 15 new venues opening across the country. So there's yeah. a bit of hope because there's still a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, but when everyone opens, 
it's like everyone in that city is opening again. Yeah. So everyone's going to go, right, I'm here. So their social media is going to be all over the place. They're going to all be competing. So whether it be Manchester finest or Glasgow independent and this, everyone's going to be talking about where to go, what to do, this and the other. Now at the same time, there's loads of new openings happening. So every month in Manchester, there's probably eight to 20 openings every month, generally just out of historic stuff. Uh, when when COVID's finished, there's going to be 200 openings. <laughs> so it's just like, right, okay, off we go. So True. I need to be ready for that. The genre database needs to be ready for that. Yep. So my advice would be make sure your music's on point, make sure you've got a brand new white shirt, and make sure you're ready with your overture calendar that it's updated as soon as they say when national restrictions are over. <laughs> Although I will send a campaign to everyone. Yep. Most people will go, it's updated already, mate. Give me some gigs. Yeah. So, and, and then we'll be rolling again. And then the momentum of what we did before will kick back in. Cause at the moment we're doing bookings every month, then it will roll back to two months, you know, and we should hopefully see some kind of normality. It probably won't be on the same scale initially. Yeah. My goal is to get us back to where we were. Yep. probably by the end of 2022 if i'm realistic in the sense of the amount per week of booking yeah, yeah. you know but that's positive that's that's positive advice right and thank god we never got you on in september <laughs> September. <laughs> different interview. Well, also yeah because i yeah to be honest i came back off furlough in september to do some work with steven yeah it was really hard because yeah. i was in the mindset of before we closed obviously and then I was speaking to clients and no one knew what was going on. You know, I'm a very positive person. I've always been upbeat and I'm always the optimist rather than the pessimist. Uh, it's where me and Steve complement each other quite well, you know, yeah. because he'll analyze things in a more pessimistic manner. Doesn't say he's pessimistic, but he'll definitely analyze things that way. Yeah, I'm yeah. more optimistic and sales focused, I suppose, in that way. Like, It'll be all right. I'm a da da da. But you need both yin and yang. But yeah. uh, I think, uh, yeah, it will come back, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it it might not be seven days a week in certain venues. It might be Thursday through to Sunday, or it might even be Friday and Saturday at first, or it might only be Saturday. But even yeah. if I can get Saturday night back everywhere, I know I've got a business. And if I can get Friday and Saturday night back, I know more people are getting more work and the business is growing again. And, and it just has no to grow that way. Yeah, and it just goes from there. And then there is, like I mentioned before, the new business opportunity that will lie. There'll be some people that, Unfortunately, you know, competitors won't have survived this. They won't. You know, they would have decided for whatever reason that they they can't carry on or they've folded because they wanted to go into something new or they've had to find something new to focus on. So there potentially might be opportunity for a business that we've been able to stay here because we're established well and we've been well managed and ran by Steve across these number of years. We've we've been able to survive and I'm very uh, proud to kind of be the person taking it forward once we mm-hmm. once we come out of this something that i have done throughout lockdown is that i've done i've created an artist development course with pete goodin so you might know pete goodin as a dj but mm-hmm. uh we've been working on a project for about three years it's called q and basically q is in the q button but q up your music called korea we're oh, partnered yeah. with point blank so point blank music school and us we've got a partnership together and we mm-hmm. do their artist development course mm-hmm. so it was supposed to go live last April in London as a course. And we were going to do our first course in, in, in the London College. And because of lockdown and everything, 
what we our main plan long term was to create an online course, which actually we did during lockdown. Mm-hmm. So ran our first one in September through to December. And our next one, our, the next course started last Wednesday. So another 10 weeks with another eight students now. So oh, it's really? amazing. So that's really, really something mm-hmm. very positive that came out of, to be fair, being on furlough and also being in lockdown and going, because again, like we've got similar to you guys, you've been doing this podcast, we've interviewed a prefler of the ecosystem of dance music and electronic mm-hmm. music, whether it be agents in America or, you know, we've got Fatboy Slim, Pete Tong, you know, like Danny Howard and key people giving their insights of the industry to the student. Mm-hmm. But that's through our online course. So mm-hmm. there's a lockdown. We like got Sam and Dunmore and Sasha like sat in the houses just like chatting to us. It's like it's amazing, you know, like the students have got all this amazing content, which we probably wouldn't have got, you know, like Nicole Madaba never stops traveling. And then you get Nicole Madaba sat in her house and she's chatting for an hour about how yeah. she came into music, why she's a DJ, what she loves and her record label, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's just, yeah. it's very, very interesting. And the students are getting loads from it as well, which is really, really positive. That sounds great. It sounds like a great opportunity for the students that are involved with that as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, artist development, there's no magic kind of wand, unfortunately, to be become famous. If I, I hate to use that word, but to kind of make it. Mm-hmm. But what we've tried to do is give them the knowledge of the steps that you should be taking to have a unique sound, to develop your brand, to kind of move things in the right direction. So once they've finished the 10 weeks, they've got the knowledge. They mm-hmm. the art searching around and making mistakes for five or six years. And I think one of the key things for me is music makers and producers, DJs, we spend a lot of time honing our craft, being able to DJ, being able to kind of use Logic and Ableton. Yeah. We don't spend that much time developing ourselves and also what we actually are trying to project. And that's mm-hmm. what the course is about, really. It's about mm-hmm. what do agents look for? What does, you know, like we've got Carl Lobin, who's the editor of DJ Mag, he tells us what he looks for in emerging artists, you know, and stuff like that. And it's just really interesting and really insightful. You just see lots of light bulbs going off You're on Zoom. You've got all the <laughs> students and they're just like, oh, my God, that was like Dave Clark telling us about his record collection, you know. <laughs> but his record collection is about his history as a DJ. And then, you know, it's just Dave Seaman's super articulate and very funny. You know, it's like really interesting, you know, like Bob Sinclair telling us about how he makes a hook. You're like, right, okay, and why he got into like certain music because of the type of scene he was into in Paris in the 80s. And it just helps people think, well, actually, I come from, for example, Glasgow or whatever, and this is a scene I'm into, and this is the music I want to make. And actually makes them look within themselves to make unique music rather than just generic tech house or generic techno. That if you're copying someone, you're basically, you know, a derivative of a derivative really rather than standing out so yeah no, it's good it's been quite quite limiting in some ways what's been going on like the past year or so but it's opened up so many other opportunities because it's made people think outside the box and people have that time to take to sit and just and discuss these sort of things and create these sort of chit chats you know 100 percent. i think you know fortunately i suppose point blank who were working with a the college they didn't close they just moved everything online so yeah and also it's global, their, their reach, they've got LA, Mumbai, China, and Ibiza as a college. So we know that the scope to do artist development is there within that. And we were quite fortunate to be able to do it. That's been one of the good thing about for producers right now is I've had so much time to just sit down and actually make music right now. So there is, like you say, so much music coming out right now and really good high quality music as well. 
Yeah, like anything, like Fortet's new album is like a masterpiece. If you know, listen to start to finish, it's kind of very clever, well-produced, amazing music. You know, it was always going to be good. But I think what has happened now, I'm listening to music in a slightly different way as well, because I'm not listening just for DJing. Yeah. I'm listening for my ear and what yeah. I want to kind of add to a little playlist that only me and my family are listening to because I'm just sticking on it at home. But like, yeah. it's kind of multi-genre wise there's been a prefler of amazing stuff coming out and i think once tours can start again and gigs can happen again one there'll be new music coming but there'll be a whole <laughs> bank of music this year that can be yeah. kind of then cycled into the system yep. uh, and some producers have used it amazingly and others i'm sure have become quite lazy and you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> naturally, I think we've all had those peaks and troughs throughout this period because you have those moments of still need to keep motivated and keep going. And then you have, I feel flat as a pancake. What's yeah. happened to my life? Right. And, you know. I mean, that's when you'll binge Netflix for about th two weeks <laughs> hard and then you're back to it again. Oh, no. I don't mean watch TV, usually, but yeah, you're right. I think, I think my missus, to be honest, and she she's quite happy we're not going out every weekend. You know, she's like, oh, I really like, liked it. You know, I've, like it's been great having you at home. And I was on a oh. dog walk the other day and I said, I've really missed DJ. <laughs> 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 like, I mean, I'm not going to be out all the time because I, I wasn't anyway. Yeah. I like, I need to, like, I'm really missing. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I play at home, but like, it's just not the same. And even playing in like the Ivy in Manchester or Tattoo, you just get the, the turn nods and the head nods and then you build it up throughout the night and then it just mm -hmm. gets a bit more vibey. And, and generally, uh, that's the environment I play in now. But yeah. I've also really been kind of dreaming of a club gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because, like, I just want to hear a lot of the tunes I have been finding yep. properly. Yeah not, yeah. not in a kind of sedate, kind of chilled atmosphere, but in a, like, come on, let's have it's that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if Ibiza does open this year, I'm definitely going to do a couple of more clubby gigs as well as my kind of bar and restaurant gigs I do over there just because I kind of need to release it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, I know. people are feeling that way as well because like there's that talk there's going to be a big boom like when things do finally start opening back up again like people are going to really be wanting to get right back out there again I think there's going to be a really good atmosphere when things do start opening back up again Definitely. yeah I think so and also there's going to be a hunger and desire for it and I think the, the people are there you know I think you know I'm of a different generation of people that are going out clubbing every weekend, but obviously I'm still part of it with kind of my job and stuff and what I do across the two businesses I'm working in. But yeah, I mean, the global for me, like electronic music, you know, that's where, you know, it's happened. That's what makes me vibe. And you need to hear it live. You need to hear it loud, you know, yeah. you need to be in a crowd, yep. you know, and just even just like you know again going back to high being there wasn't last summer the summer before but for black coffee and i was in the booth behind black coffee and then we walked out into the crowd and even the way he sets the scene in that club you know it's just like the dancers coming off the podium to be honest the rush of the music i'm walking around with a bottle of evian i went to about four clubs that night because we were kind of bouncing from club to club on guest lists and didn't drink, didn't do anything. We'd had a disco nap and then we went out and had a party all night. And the energy from 7,000 people yeah. on the drops, on the lifts, yep. you know, as the baseline yep. comes in. 
And then I obviously go into crazy, <laughs> crazy corner around where the toilets are in high, which is like the best nightclub in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know whether you've both been, but. I've been to Ibiza, no, but I've never went there, no. Yeah, so in there, it's the old space, obviously, but they've got uh, yep. the crazy corner and it's basically the toilets. So down both sides is oh, yeah. black, black cubicle doors. Yeah, I've, that's right. And, <laughs> and then in the middle, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a DJ booth. Uh, and uh, yeah, Danny Tanagula was playing in there when we went. And um, it was just crazy because the ceiling's really low. It's an LED ceiling. Yep. I took a little video because my missus wasn't with me. She was back in the UK at the time. Took a video of me going for a wee. And then I was like, you won't believe where I am. And then open this door. And it's just like, I remember going to space. Was, it, was that what space has become now then, Nathan? Yeah. Yeah. High is now space. It's just right. a kind of. Because I remember refined, going to space. I remember thinking. Version. It is. I mean, it's a bit gentrified, but sound yeah. system wise, operationally, I like, you know, we went in and we went round the back and then. <coughs> met the assistant manager and she let us in through the back door and this, that and the other. And as an operator, it's so slick. You know, yeah, you have yeah. got 7,000 people raving. It's kind of big deal. You know, they've paid big yeah. money. They've paid good big money for an artist. But as an operator, you think, wow, how are you doing this? Like it's slick as anything. They've all got the headsets in. There's a, an a emergency room there with a doctor in it in case there's any, you know, it's just like, yeah, you yeah. feel safe, you know, it's kind of like, it's good. But then, you know, we, we'd done Pasha, we'd done High, and then we went to uh, Hart as well and stuff like that. And yeah. Hart's quite a nice club. Again, the terrace there is really nice, and we bumped into a few people like Andy Baxter and stuff like that, DJs that we know. And it's been, it's a, while. Really it's been nice. a while since I've been out, actually. It's been probably a good few years now. It probably was when space was probably starting to come to the end last time I was out. And I remember seeing Car- Carol Cox in there and I remember thinking it's an ironic namespace because there's literally no space to move. So it's like, you want to try and get to the front, <laughs> you're not getting to the back again or for a couple no, hours. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I think for me, I, I've re-engaged with Ibiza in the last five years. I kind of did it as a yeah. 20-year-old. Yep. Then I lived in London that time, so I didn't go that often then. I kind of went for holidays and it was good, but I kind of did... London a lot and I kind of felt quite you know happy just staying there in my 20s really much yeah I missed out on that kind of should I want to add my wife which was fine I didn't go out and do any seasons or anything like that I just did the odd stuff there yeah yeah and then I took the kids out there five years ago and and then I think I must have been about 20 times since then because <laughs> just because I re-engaged with it I've got friends who live there I've got kind of so a couple of nice little places I play at they're not residencies because I just do them when I go and I let them know I'm coming and I'll do one gig on the restaurant I'm there and I'll do a sunset somewhere else and stuff but yep. it's such a beautiful place to play music and particularly now like the age I am like because I've got a prefler of music I love playing a sunset restaurant is just as good for me as playing a really amazing club because it's just atmospheric and particularly as you know of what I do with genre music, it's about creating atmospheres with music. Yeah. Being able to soundtrack a sunset or yeah. like I even did a yoga retreat and like, I'm quite into wellness and like that living that lifestyle, but yeah. I did sunrise yoga. So I've got. Did you play fat boy slim? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I played, but I did a house set. I did a typical kind of what you would find a Balaric house set, but for yeah. yoga at 7am in the morning. And the sun's coming up out the sea behind me. Got 150 people on yoga mats. 
And the feedback I got after it, everyone was just euphoric. They were just that like, oh, amazing. Best. That it was like, that sound amazing. It was amazing. And like the sun came up by, over the back of me and I like, got some really nice shots and stuff like that from it. And just like, everyone was just so complimentary as mm-hmm. if you'd just done a set in a nice club, you know, it's just like, oh my God, your set was great. Where do I find it? How can I download it? Da, 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 da. And I was Nathan, just like, this was great. Nathan, but, see if this drags on any longer through any lockdown, you're going to have to do a yoga 7am Zoom set, aren't you? Virtual <laughs> concert. Yeah, well, people have been doing that, haven't they? I think the Zoom thing for me and the, the streaming stuff for me, I think it was a bit overdone. Uh, and it was rightfully so everyone went, let me share my talent, let me share myself. But I think... Yeah, mad. <laughs> well, I think also the big boys who had the cash to put behind it have done it very, very well. So mm-hmm. it kind of pushed everyone else away from dipping in. They've just yeah. gone, right, I'll go to, you know, the Hacienda one, I'll go to the de- defected one, I'll... Yep. Beatport have done some really good ones. I mean, there's been some amazing sets. Yeah, yeah. As a DJ to go have on in the background and just be shazamming and shazamming and going, oh, wow, music, music, music. And that's yeah. a brilliant thing because you don't always get the opportunity. One, because you haven't got the time to listen, you know, and, and very rarely I, I kind of skip around, oh, you should listen to this mix. But because at the time before lockdown, I was managing the team, I was managing my life, yep. didn't have much time. Whereas now I've been able to stick on a, something at home and actually listen to it. You know, yeah. and yeah. it's like, all oh, right, that's really good. <laughs> that DJ's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I think you get caught up in the lifestyle quite a, a lot and you're just managing your time the best you can. But having this amount of time, you really can just sit down, relax and just soak up the music, can't you? And just really give it a, a proper, proper listen. I think you can get too absorbed in your own stuff, though. And that's the thing. And I, th- I kind of say it to, to DJs and producers all the time. Like, please yeah. listen to other people's music. Please, mm-hmm. please listen to, like, other people in your genre you know, and mix with loads of tunes and then throw your tunes in rather than they can become so kind of micro-focused on what they're doing, whether it be their DJ mix or their, their, their tune that they've made in the studio. Yeah. And then A, B it next to a label that they want to be on, let's say Hot Creations or something like that. Yeah. Right, oh, I really want to be on Hot Creations. Okay, well, why? Oh, because I love their label, right? Okay, so play your tune next to it. Yeah. Like, do you really think that's signable yet? You know, or yeah. what's it missing? Why is it needed? And that's where the A and R comes in into saying, well, you know, you know, your drums aren't good enough, you know, or yeah, yeah. but you just when you you're totally micro focused. I've done it before myself, and I remember my dad used to be terrible for it. I mean, he's no longer with us, rest in peace. But he's a drummer and an amazing musician. Right. But he didn't listen to anyone else's music. It used to drive me insane. Like, <laughs> like he had a recording studio, and I had a, I, was, I was in a band when I was very young, and we recorded there and stuff. And then I became a DJ. And he used to go to the studio, and he'd like, and then he'd get in the car. So he'd get come out of the studio, he'd download his dat onto his t- cassette, then put it in his car and listen to it in the car. Right. And I'd, be, and I'd be like, look, stick this on, and I'd maybe done a mix, like one of my first mixes, like drum and bass and whatever. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, my God, what's this music? Because like, it's music that you don't get any access to. <laughs> yeah. he was, he, I suppose he was inspired in the 70s when he was starting out by Bowie and, you know, like Led Zepp, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then he went on his journey as a session musician and kind of was a very good drummer, yeah. but then got completely compressed into his own world and didn't actually look out. I remember introducing him to Craig David. And it wasn't even me because like Craig David. He was on like some program on the telly. I said, Oh, you really need to check him out. He's an amazing vocalist. Yeah, he was yeah. like, Oh my God, he is, isn't he? But he's just, <laughs> like, 
Like you're, you're involved in music, but you don't actually absorb any other music. I think that's half the battle, isn't it? To, to write good music, you have to have the influence as well, don't you? And, and get pick up, pick pieces out from other songs and just inspire yourself. Hundred percent. I honestly think that is one of the reasons my dad didn't make it though, because yeah. he was so. I mean, granted, you know, in this day, maybe Ninja Tune or Excel might have gone right. That's weird and wonderful. And actually, yeah, he's totally his own artist, and this is what he does. You know, he's multi multi instrumentalist and did some weird stuff before he passed away but I think that was the chemotherapy yeah. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> experimental but you know it was quite experimental and very ambient and you know and he did do some gigs in Scandinavia at a festival and stuff like that I've kind of I was only in my 20s I was lived in London at the time so I kind of was interested but also like you know going on but uh, yeah it's a shame that sometimes people do just get totally focused on their own stuff and I think it's one thing you do need to do and this time has been amazing for that, you know, just to absorb yeah. Netflix, well, great gonna, music, uh, yeah, well, anything. Well, creatively, there's an amazing program on Netflix at the moment called Move. Yeah. And I've just shared it to one of the artists I'm managing because he's into, he's writing tech house, but he's dance hall influenced. So he really loves like a ragga vocal, like suppose like, you know, super styling and stuff like that, Groove Armada. He yeah. likes those hooks. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's that called, Nathan? Is that Move, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the third one in is about dancehall culture, and it's this amazing dancehall dancer. But some of the the music in it is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was there, stood next to Matelli trying to shazam, and he's like, "Does not recognize." I'm like, "No, what is this tune?" Because <laughs> yeah. it's the bass sounds. It's like these bass sounds from dancehall, and if he can replicate those into tech house with that vocal line, he's got something really special. He's mm. got something that you know he can make a body of work with. It won't be boring but it will also have this really cross kind of genre yeah. way of doing it. It's just clever, you know? So yeah. I just take inspiration from everywhere. <laughs> so, some of the guests we get on, Nathan, we like to always figure out where the, their influences came from. You're talking about your, your dad there and stuff. Would you say that was your biggest influence? And then where did your influence get, uh, come in for getting into DJing then, yourself and a and mm. and that sort of thing? Where did it begin for you then? So, yeah, so my mum and my dad... Uh, my mum's a singer, my dad's a drummer, so I was brought up around music. This yeah, yeah. when I was very young, but lived with my mum. So actually, my mum's probably the, the the stronger kind of iron of music because she's so into music, you know. And we used to just, I remember when it was just me and her, we used to just dance around the. What was that clipped up? She liked Bruce Springsteen and I ragged her for it and stuff like that. And then I got into like hip hop, like. Windy MC, Public Enemy, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. She let me spray paint my wall in my bedroom and stuff like that. So she was open to like me being cool creative. Yeah, cool she was open to be creative and I had my lino and I used to go on the park and break dance and stuff. <laughs> and then when I got to school, it was the Manchester thing had happened and I had loads of names written on my bag. So it was like Charlatans, Blair, EMF, uh, Happy Mondays. And I'd like written them all on my bag as you do at school and stuff like that. Yeah. And some kid came up to me and I was a big footballer. I've always played football. Like I played like non-league most of my life. So I wasn't into kind of music for the rock and roll side of it. I just love music. So yeah. he came up to me and he was like, oh, we're starting a band. We love the fact that you've got all these names on your bag. Do you, do you man fancy coming to the rehearsal tonight and see what you want to do? Because he yeah. just he obviously just thought, right, kindred spirit, he likes all the bands I like. So we're yeah. going to start a band. Now, he didn't know anything about my history whatsoever. So I rocked up at this rehearsal and it's in my mate's house. 
And there's a drummer and I was like, yeah, I'll be a front man because I was very cocky and cocksure and I'm still a little bit like that now and wanted to be the ladies man. So I thought, yeah, and I had my big mushroom haircut like the indie boy. I wanted to be Ian Brown and I wanted to be, you know, Tim Burgess from the Charlottes. So I was like, yeah, I want the girls. Let's do, I'll be the singer. I said, next week though, why don't we ask at my dad's studio? And they were like, what? So yeah, yeah that's got a recording studio. <laughs> so then from <laughs> then... We became quite an efficient band because we had a proper rehearsal rooms and this, that, and the other. Right. And then, to cut a long story short, five years passed, we enjoyed ourselves and had the band, and electronic music started to feed into it all. Yeah. And one night we were rehearsing, which the, we had a city centre rehearsal rooms at my dad's studio, and around the corner was a couple of the clubs. Right. So we finished rehearsing, packed up the stuff, and went, right, let's go. And we were 17 at the time. We didn't know whether we were going to get in. <laughs> and we got in and it was Ian Ossia and Tom Wainwright uh, yeah. playing and Tom Wainwright lives around the corner from me he's a good mate of mine now uh, and yeah I got in so I got in and I'm like oh my god I got in I got in so I'm like right buzzing and I just start dancing on this dance floor and I'm surrounded by women wearing short skirts and high boots <laughs> looking at this guy doing this and yeah. I'm like oh my god I don't want to be a singer anymore. I want to do that. <laughs> Brilliant. And then I got my first decks and that was like 17. And then because my mum was connected and my dad was connected in Hull, yep. I could DJ in clubs because I knew the club owners and stuff like that. So I started DJing pretty much straight away in back rooms. And Brilliant. my really, my sound then was kind of hip hop, reggae and jungle. I kind wow. of had a fusion sound of just bass. I just loved like bass sounds and rhythms. Yeah, yeah. And then... Learned to mix really on vinyl using drum and bass and jungle became massive at that time. Yep. I worked in a record shop and then carried on my journey with that. Really. I moved to London, worked at tower records. I oh, became yeah. the buyer for soul and dance, uh, tower records that then I wanted to work in music. I tried, I went to interviews at EMI. I went to interviews at relabels. I had did some time at Qdos, which is the distribution company and learned about stuff. And then I kind of hit my head against the brick wall. I was like, I'm not getting anywhere with this, you know, yeah. as a lot of people do in their early twenties, you have this dream. And then to be honest, it was pretty shattered. My dream I'd moved from Hull, left all my mates. I was just there with my missus, which was great. But like starting this new life, yeah, thinking it was going to be something it wasn't. Yeah. And then ended up like going, what am I going to do in my life? Really, at that point, I was still DJing a bit, but I was just like, I was totally disillusioned. I thought, you know, it's just not, it, I was totally switched off from the, I was disillusioned initially when I got there, sorry, when I thought I was going to be famous because yeah. I was a big fish in a small pond in Hull. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knew me. I was the DJ everywhere. Then I turned up in London. I was no one. Yeah, yeah, start again. <laughs> and it was hard. It was very yeah. hard. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it was quite trying. And then I got on a Sedition DJs as a, an agency, which I got put onto and, and I worked with them. I did Tear Mills and I did The Egg and places like that. And then, sorry, it's the end, actually. And then we had a baby. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> priorities, <laughs> priorities changed. <laughs> well, I, no, but it did. And I, to be honest, at the time, I'd already done a personal training course. I was already working in a gym and DJing. Yeah. And then I kind of focused on my career in health and fitness. So I did. Yeah. I worked right up the ladder to wearing a suit and still DJing a little bit, but not really. And then I, by that time I had three kids and I was like, oh my God. And I'd lost, at this point I'd lost 10 years of life, really. We moved back up north and then 
I was 35, so I'm what, this is eight years ago now. And then my brother died 10 years ago. No, it was 10 years ago. My right. brother suddenly died. He was 21. All right. And it was sudden, you know, it was an aneurysm. He passed away overnight. I was talking to him on text one time, gone oh. the next. It was horrendous, obviously. You know, imagine yeah. something like that happening. It just is horrendous. And we've, we've all lost people in our lives and stuff. But yeah. it was a massive shock for our family. Yeah, yeah. But then for me, it was probably... And I, I hate saying this in some respects, but it's probably my, my brother would also think it's positive. It probably t- changed my life yeah, in yeah. a positive way because I then reconnected with DJing. I reconnected with making music. I reconnected with myself, who I actually wanted to be. Which yeah, yeah. I, and so it's kind of events that start to put things in perspective as well and make you look at things differently. Well, you know, because if it is texting him about Hull City playing and then the following morning I can't follow it up going they played shit because he's gone, it mm. was like, oh, my God, life yep. can turn itself that quickly. Yep. And why aren't I pursuing what I love? Yeah, I'm yeah. actually doing something now to – I did enjoy health and fitness, don't get me wrong, because I've was i I've always enjoyed keeping fit, etc. but I'd got very bored of it because I was just doing the same thing all the time. I was managing a health club. It was very easy wearing a suit and walking around telling people what to do. But <laughs> when, I went, when I left or when I sat on the train, I was making a mix on tractor online or whatever, and I was, like, wanting still to be that DJ. Yep. And that's, again, why I reconnected with Ibiza because I needed some – some inspiration and I was like I just need to go where the music is and where people understand me and it was amazing because we we started a club night in honor of him but also to raise some money for a foundation we set up which then became a club night which is still running now in Hull it's still you know it's 10 years old you know and I'm not really that involved anymore but when when I go back to Hull I play it and you know we do the birthday parties and we do festivals and bits and pieces with that club night that we created out of it yeah. And it reconnected with lots of kind of kindred spirits that were the same. And then I moved to Manchester and I joined Genre as a DJ. Yep. And then it's really focused my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really kind of, and then, you know. Being when, you're, when you're younger, you can really get blinded by the, the chase of the fame or the chase of just the overnight kind of quick fix kind of lifestyle, isn't it? Whereas yeah. when you, you regroup, it's more the journey and the, the connections and the memories when you when you think about it. It's that journey that people enjoy more than chasing those goals and maybe possibly not achieving them. hundred percent. And I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm terrible for that. I mean, particularly when I, was, when I was younger, I'd give myself unrealistic goals, unrealistic targets, fail, get really pissed off at myself and lose total motivation. We've all done those gigs where we've said, I'm never DJing again. You know, Sam and Dunbar's done them. We've all done them, you know, and I feel more proud now playing at Hostel Latoria in Ibiza, still playing the music I love and going, thank God I didn't give up. This is what happened, you know, and and actually I can see me doing that for the next 10, 15 years, you know, just enjoying playing amazing music and music I love. Yep. and sharing it with people and I think it really centered me it's given me the motivation to join genre become you know I'm going to become the MD and then we take this genre forward once it comes back out of lockdown yep I've met some amazing people along my journey like Pete Gooding who I've obviously got the business of Q with and we worked with Point Blank so you know in the last few years I've been able to go to IMS to ADE all of those conferences, but actually as someone who is potentially talking in one of the seminars or knowing people, you know, like, mm-hmm. and 
You, that's you what I wanted when I went to London in my 20s. That's what I wanted to be doing. And yes, it's taken me 23 years to get there. <laughs> but fundamentally... You, you, met, I, you met us as well, Nathan. You met us. That must be a highlight. <laughs> it's a massive highlight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, but, you know, joking aside, the interviews of doing genre and working with such amazing creative talent across the country is an absolute inspiration. It really is. And, like, yeah. it's, the, it's the... I'd say it's probably the high that I get from the job is mm-hmm. one meeting people for that first time in an interview is great because we are kind of like-minded people and yeah, yeah. we're kind of a minority out there because there's quite mm-hmm. a lot of pop music fans, <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, but it's nice to meet people creatively and talk about gigs and clubs and music that they've loved. And, you know, I know you've been on, we talked quite a long time, didn't we, when we met you and, you know, talked about the, the hardcore scene and stuff like that. And yeah, it, yeah. it's just inspiring where people come from. Yep. Uh, and then, then seeing it actually come to life of people doing the residencies and then and then becoming mates, really, yeah, yeah. rather than, you know, I don't really see anyone as an employee because everyone's self-employed. But yeah. I think I have got some very key relationships with a number of our genre, uh, genre roster, musicians yeah. and DJs, that, you know, I do class as mates. I don't yeah. see them as, you know, anything other. And yeah. that's amazing for me because my network has grown naturally. I've got people in London, in Glasgow, in, you know, York or wherever it is. Yeah. That I can really see that, you know, I've got friends for life, in essence, from doing this job. And uh, music does bring people together. I know it's very cliche, that. But the thing is, the commonality of people and dancing together or, you know, yeah. all those things. And do you, know what also, do, you know, do you know what also brings people together, Nathan? Getting very drunk the night before and leaving your headphones in the Pirate Studios. And then oh, having, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then having to go back and try and find them again and then bumping into someone else. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? That is yeah. actually how we met, actually, wasn't it? That's you what it was. Yeah. John, John will back me up on that one. We, I got a bit drunken and I left the headphones on the mixer. We walked I out and I realised... What's that, John? <laughs> Cannot take you anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I realised I drink. I think I realised... I'd still be in Glasgow if I drank. <laughs> <laughs> it was about three days later, I looked in the headphone case and I was like, I never put my headphones in this case, did I? And I thought, I better go back to <laughs> in the hope that they're there. And they were, there you were, Nathan, sat in that booth doing interviews. <laughs> it was meant know, to be. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. Uh, so when you're doing these interviews, Nathan, you obviously you speak to a lot of musicians and DJs. What, what is it you're kind of looking for when you are you know, interviewing people to maybe add to the roster and things? I think, you know, professionalism, you know, for me, I think no matter what industry you come from, is being switched on, you know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, and passionate so professionalism passion pride in what they do you know those three things for me I think I then know that if I've met someone they can articulate themselves to me in a good way in a professional manner they can use equipment properly you know and again in a professional manner that you know sending people to do gigs in in venues where you know it's expensive equipment you know and I'm not to say that someone unprofessional (laughs) would ruin it but I think just being able to hold themselves professionally you know how they look how they sound and what they can do with the equipment is very key passion for what they do you know an understanding of the music brief for example so you know a dj really being into soulful house and you know loving the fact that they're doing an alchemist brief is you know amazing for me you know because i actually know you know they're going to do a better job than me. And that's kind of what you want to recruit. You want to recruit people who are going to do as good or far better job than yeah. you would personally think you could do. Not to say I could do it, but what I think that I could do. Yeah. Uh, 
And then, you know, that kind of pride in their work as well in the fact of, you know, just showing up and yeah. doing it properly, you know. Uh, you know, we all have our lapses. We do, you know. We all get drunk in Pirate Studios and leave our headphones. And stuff like <laughs> you know, we all... Yeah, do have our it, all out, it all turned out for the best, Nathan. It all turned out for the best. <laughs> joking aside, I think, you know, taking pride in yourself, and this yeah. comes from wellness as well, if you look after yourself and take pride and love yourself, then that feeds out to everyone else. So, you know, a DJ turning up to do the Ivy, and I think, you know, I've got someone, you know, Tony in, in Oxford, you know, he's exemplary with that manner. You know, he turns up, he looks the part, he plays the music, he deals with the management team correctly, he deals with the customers correctly, and I know he's bang on brief. So, you know, right, okay, of course I trust him to do a booking, and that's just one example. I could pick another hundred examples, you know. There's a massive uh, level of trust involved because they're representing the agency, genre music in that way, you know, to actually just let us, for talking sake, go out and represent you guys, you know, there's such a level of trust there to know that yeah. people are carrying themselves well, you know, because it's reflecting back on you guys, really, so that's massive. Yeah, totally, and, you know, I'm the one who has to deal with a manager when they're annoyed, you know, and it's not generally yeah. the DJ or the musician. Yeah. It's uh, an email at one o'clock at night saying da-da-da-da-da, or it's a phone call the next day, or it's a phone call even on the night, you know, and I have had those situations, and, you know, whether it be through them having a lapse of professionalism or whether yeah. I just recruited the wrong person because obviously we do recruit a lot of people and yeah. in an interview you try and do as best as you can to gauge that person but you're yeah. not always going to be 100% you know I we have had you know some people cause me some stress should yeah. we say on a weekend <laughs> uh yeah my patience isn't very good with those people, you know, my wife winces in the corner when I'm on the phone and she's like, Oh my God, you were so harsh. And I'm like, don't care. You know, yeah. I've never missed a gig in my life, you know, and I haven't, I've never been late for a gig in my life. And there's a few years ago when I first kind of was DJing an awful lot. I think I did about 150 gigs in a year. So that's half the days in the year I did a gig Wow. and didn't miss one. Yeah. Didn't turn up late for one, played the right brief for all of them worked to the management team and the customers on every single one. And that's why I got 150 gigs. Yeah, that's yeah. the reason. Because the managers trusted me. That's why I got a phone call on a Sunday night saying, Manchester City have just won the league. We need a DJ in an hour. Can you get there? And it was me who they rang. Because yeah. they knew that they'd get the service they wanted. <laughs> they, they didn't have to think about it. It was just going to happen. So, you know. That's, that's advice right there, I think, isn't it, really? <laughs> what what team for? <laughs> Well, it is, you know, because, you know, it doesn't matter what level you are as well. I think, you know, there is something, again, I've learned from doing across, I suppose, the two worlds in the sense of genre music. We do amazing residency bookings across the country and we've got an amazing roster of talent for live music and DJs. And then going into kind of the world of the music business, which I've had to go into for Q, it's just the same. Yeah, it's just the same. You know, you know you've got to show yourself properly. You know, you've got to show up and do the right job. And, you know, if you're a good person and you, you're willing to work hard, you, you'll, you'll, you'll carve your way some yep. way into how you want to make this career, yep. you know, and we're all still hustling, you know, we're all still doing our thing. And, you know, that's just how it is. Uh, but, you know, the people that don't really do that well, you know, they generally end Might up crazy. <laughs> well, no, well, you know, if it was for me on my, my roster, Yep. I do give people chances and I've, to be honest, sometimes I've given people so much rope because 
Yeah. I'm a person as well. I'm not. I'm not just a robot who's just going to go. You did wrong. I've been. I'd, you know, if someone says to me, "Look, I made a mistake. I'm really sorry. I hold my hands up. Can you give me another chance?" Yeah. I'll be the first person to try and give them another chance. Sometimes it's a manager saying, "I don't want it back, or don't want them back, or whatever," and you just go, "Well, actually, my hands are tied, and yeah. I have." to the detriment of maybe myself, put myself in a position where I've yeah. still trusted that person because I've willed it to be, because I've, I've thought they're a good person or whatever. But, you know, there's also an amount of talent out there that if someone's messing you around, like there's plenty of other people who want to pick the ball up and run with it because, you know, there's, there's a whole world of people that are wanting to do that. So I think it's a balancing act really of understanding people as a person and then also what service you want to get from them. And then fundamentally for us, just for like what we do with you we send you a book in you accept the book in yep. for me because i trust what you guys do i know it's going to happen now if mm -hmm. something untoward was to happen it'd be a shock for me i'd be like what, what happened there because <laughs> it would be so out of Ball's character drunk again. Yeah. <laughs> hey can i just can i just say that only happens in the pirate studios <laughs> <laughs> We, have, we, have, we, only, we me and John only drink iced teas at the Ivy, don't we, John? Iced they teas. Lovely iced teas too. They really are. <laughs> if you're going to the I, Ivy, I, get I a nice tea. tea and sparkling water for my sets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we are really extremely thankful, uh, Nathan, for setting us up with that and just that chance meeting and where it progressed to, you know. And we take real pride in turning up. Me and John, it's a real passion to go and play the music in, in the Ivy, especially. So we're really looking forward to getting back out and kind of representing the agency again, you know. So we're, we're definitely thankful for the chance that you and the faith that you've put in us to go out and do that for you guys. No, thank you for saying that. I mean, for me, I want to grow in Scotland. So, you know, there's another conversation to be had at potentially. <laughs> yeah. You know, but there is, you know, because like, you know, I think particularly in Scotland, it was so heavily affected by the lack of music. There's a huge opportunity to talk about music and get music going there. Because yeah, atmospheres yeah. were so decimated by no background music, it became such a talking point. Yeah. That's never actually happened in the UK where they've just turned it off. But yeah. obviously atmospheres have gone because they've got rid of live music or DJs, etc. They've turned the volume down so much that it's kind of not worth it. But yeah. for Scotland, you know, <clears throat> I think in Edinburgh and Glasgow particularly, there's opportunity for what we do on a bigger scale. Uh, yep. Not just at the Ivy, you know, but we have got The Alchemist is opening in, in, in Edinburgh in Brilliant. 2021 mm -hmm. so that'll be great we've obviously already got the ivy there we've got tattoo there yep but we have had other clients there and because the manager's moving and stuff like that you know yep. i need to spend maybe some more time there and that's kind of for me i'm gonna we need to get ourselves back to where we want to get to as genre and hopefully with our main clients we'll be able to fulfill what we need to yep. kind of carry on and then look at the next step but for me i think edinburgh glasgow Leeds, Birmingham, London. Yep. They're my three areas of growth, really, because my four areas of growth, because we've got standing in those cities, but yeah. not the same as Manchester and Liverpool, for example. And we've got an amazing roster of talent in those areas as well that could be utilized across different venues and different genres, etc. So yep. I think it's a bit of a scope and when I'm writing my new business plan, I don't want to be too ambitious in the sense of I'm going to do this, this and this and this and do every city. Mm -hmm. But I am going to focus on the key cities where we've already got rosters of talent. And also there's a hunger for what we offer because there's operators there that operate at a high level. Mm -hmm. And you obviously what you need is clientele to be going to those venues so then they can afford to have entertainment. Yeah. Can, they, can we be managing that for them? Potentially, you know, because we do do it 
well. You know, you've seen it from the side of an artist. The managers they get a PDF with everyone who's playing. Yep. It's all nicely managed. They only have one point of contact, which is me. They don't have to mess around with anything else, and it happens. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's generally quite a nice, fluid way of working. I will always support you guys, definitely. Happy to support you guys, what you are doing in that. And you've got a bit of a, a, con, a contact up here in us and things like that, Nathan. So we're looking forward to you catching up in, in more positive times ahead, I think. Eh? Actually getting back yeah, out again. Only good vibes. Have another catch up again, have another, another chit chat. Because I, I was looking at Facebook today and ironically enough, there was a memory flashed up and it was me and John and it was the saxophone. saxophone. Oh, yeah, was that the saxophone one? I was at uh, Sam, was Sam, Orvin, Sam yeah. Orvin and I was looking at it thinking of all the days Nathan's coming on and this memory comes up on Facebook I'm thinking <laughs> I just want to get back out of the eye again you know that way it was like yeah, we, we turned up that night we hadn't realised the saxophone player was going to be there so it was like a total <laughs> bonus for us we were absolutely loving you know, enjoying the music and having the saxophone player playing alongside yeah, us yeah. That was some DJs love it and other big DJs hate it I think it's about again same as anything communication with them you know and just yeah. going like this is what we're briefed to do. This is what you're doing. And also then venue management. I think DJs have it a lot easier than live musicians because we can put mm -hmm. a tune on, we can walk around, we can listen to it and, you know, spatially listen and go, right, it's too loud in that area. It's not loud enough here. Yeah, not yeah. For the manager. It's quite hard as a solo guitarist to do that because they get set up and they start playing and you kind of trust in the managers to understand the sound a little bit. Yeah. But generally, they're quite well. But, you know, it's kind of, yeah, working with people, you know, I've never, you know, I've always enjoyed playing with percussionists and saxophone mm. players and violinists, but it's yeah. about communication. I might say, you know, violinists, you know, I'm going to play quite spatial music for your half an hour sets. Yeah, and yeah. then as soon as their last one's finished, then I go into something more vocally or whatever, because you can, whereas some DJs just don't even think like that. They just go, right, I'm just going to, I'm going to play what I was going to play. Yeah. And they'll just have to work with it. And it's kind of just, have, you just have to think a little bit. Try and play saxophone at this jungle. <laughs> go on, give it a go. <laughs> just yeah. not change the, yeah. the mindset. Well, liquid, um, liquid drum and bass is quite jazzy. So you never know. You can maybe get them doing it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit more about the uh, that Q program as well as before you go, Nathan? That sounds like a great program. How can people find out more about that? So Q Artist Development, if you go to the Point Blank website, and to the online courses you can search artist development and then you can book our course there so there's there's three more this year so there's one in april and we've got 20 spaces for that and then we've got one in july and then we've got one in september mm -hmm. so they run four times a year uh we do a 10-week program there's a master class every week and then you have one-to-ones every other week as you progress down the journey so and it's really structured regarding we do my musical DNA really initially. So who you are, what music has influenced you to where you've got to today, then as a producer, and then kind of daily habits, creative kind of blocks, et cetera, et cetera, how to get out the funk of those things. Then we go into branding and we talk about artists as a brand rather than just as a producer. And then we talk about social media and the kind of message there. So we do a lot of work on... Really? yeah all that side of things and then when's the best time to build a team because it's these are all the questions that people have they're like all oh, right i've i've done two gigs i've done two festivals right i need an agent or i need a manager or i need this that, and the other in essence the 10-week course helps you diy definitely the start in your artistic career once you know how to make music so 
generally it's not a production course in any way. We had people who come on it really need to be at a certain level with their DJing production that they now want to start getting records signed. Or they might have even had some records signed, but then staggered with this kind mm. of what's not happening next. Yeah, or, get that momentum going. Yeah, so or they might need a rebrand or they might go, look, I've released four tunes with this label, but I'm not aligned with that at all anymore. So I want to change my name. I want to go and do a different pseudonym and this is what I want to do. So it's mm. kind of for that people, those people, sorry. And then when they kind of come to the end, really, it's kind of putting a plan and plan together. So, you know, your goals, your future is what we call the last masterclass. And the last masterclass really is about the next 12 months after that masterclass. And throughout the period of the course, we talk about labels that you want to be aligned with, the ecosystems you want to work within, etc. There's a, the masterclass of the two hours and in every masterclass there's around 45 minutes of expert content from the videos like I mentioned before but we've asked them the questions of that masterclass so it might be like we've got you know Micah from Beatport who's based out of Berlin talking about what makes a Beatport chart and what makes a Beatport you know highlight and why how you would get that as an emerging artist and how you would potentially post up onto your you know, your chart in certain groups so you can get better uplift. We've got... That's a phenomenal, that's phenomenal input. Phenomenal yeah. input. That's really... Sanford, input. You know, we've got Sanford from uh, Mixcloud. Again, we've got like an extra content. There's loads of extra content as well, which is like the how to how to use Mixcloud properly as a DJ and producer, you know, and it's a 25-minute video of her talking and she she's like head of community at Mixcloud. So yeah. it's like... A, you know, just the way, little tricks, really, like with social media, little tricks of how to kind of use, you know, certain things. We're not social media kind of experts. So what we do, we've got, you know, Jam from Anglo Digital, which is one of the big digital agencies. They manage Pete Tong, Fatboy Slim, et cetera, et cetera. He talks to for 20 minutes about using digital media, social media as an artist. Wow. So yeah, I'd like to say, like, you just see light bulbs, you know, but yeah, yeah. it's amazing. It like, like you we, guys have read all out. You've put something quite special together there by the sound of it. No, it is. To be honest, it's it's got so much potential to really help so many people. And the thing is, me and Pete, Pete's obviously had a, a different trajectory with his career and actually had a very successful career, obviously did a lot of the Cafe Mambo albums and all of yeah. that. And he's released around 200 records throughout his career and he's toured the world, you know, he's done a lot of DJing. He's also made an awful lot of mistakes, but you know, he's he's been working on the management team of Blondish, Black Coffee, Martinez Brothers, he's got his artist Timber. So all of that real-time information is no different for an emerging artist. It's just how you learn it and what you need to do. Yeah. So whether you're in a production meeting for Black Coffee or it's a production AR meeting for a new artist, you're still listening to the track and giving it an expert in a AR on it. Yeah, yeah. You do some A&Ring on it, so they have to create a body of work and then submit two to four tracks by Masterclass 8, right. and then we A&R it and we'll say what we think and et cetera, et cetera. So and yeah. what we've kind of done leading on from the 10 weeks, purely because we got asked about it, we've done a three-month three mentoring afterwards if people want to do it and also if we feel at the right level. So we have got six students who have done the first course now they're continuing the journey for a further three months now on one-to-one -one level. So they're going to get, you know, a lot more A&R work. And actually, realistically, I think out of the six, four of them will be releasing music by the end of the three months, 100%. Mm -hmm. And like to key labels, you know, like Hot Creations and 
Dirty Bird, like big, big labels with really, really solid releases. So, but amazing because like one guy from South Africa, one guy from Vienna, one guy from England who lives in Mallorca. I've got an Australian student. It's not UK based, it's global. So like this course, we've got a girl from Turkey on it and she's making kind of nice soulful house. And then you've got a girl from... Where's she from? Ukraine, who makes again kind of like techie house. But last the last course, we had a trap artist, a dubstep artist, a techno artist. It was amazing yeah, because yeah. you're just you're learning all the time, yeah. even from the students, just about all this amazing music that's out there and like all these record labels we didn't even know existed. You know that are their target record labels mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that's one of the things yeah. you found just through interviewing people from around the world as well. What's happening in all these kind of different areas around the world? It is quite eye-opening what's happening in other places. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, I think also particularly with COVID, because everyone's at different stages with it. I think mm. I think one thing that we've kind of coined a little bit through this is an emerging artist feels like they're in isolation all the time because yes. you, you're trapped. As an mm. emerging artist, you're sat in your studio, you're listening to all this produced music, you're watching Michael Beebe on Instagram, DJing in Tulum, going, oh, I want to be the Michael Beebe. And you want, might want to get your record signed to Michael Beebe's label. But the thing is, how do you then get there? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's like, and with lockdown, we've all been able to question how we're working, our creative spaces, what makes us tick better. If you're thinking about it, not many people, not everyone does. Mm-hmm. I do. You know, I'll go on long dog walks, listening to some tunes. I'm like, right, am I being productive? And also for me, it's going to be quite hard ramping back up because I've had this kind of quite mellow period of yep. a lot of thought, a lot of kind of time putting into kind of, what does what's going to what's the future of genre music how does that look what does it feel like what does it sound like what do i actually want it to be and then cue right okay we've got an online course i can manage it all from home i don't actually have to spend a massive amount of hours on it at the moment because we've now created it but how does it then develop yeah you know and what 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 does that look like moving forward again like i said before the the inspiring thing is just meeting like-minded people you know you want a zoom call and it's just like, wow, these people are like, you know, some people have produced for 15 years. Other people have only done two Ableton courses and they're now making amazing music. We've got this guy in Iran who's 18 and like, oh my God, he's like production. He's just like amazing. You're like, are you really 18? We've actually sent him <laughs> loads of things to do, like to try yeah. and kind of think, is it actually him doing it? It's just like, it was just like, oh my God. We need some evidence. Yeah, like, yeah, we need some hard evidence here. Yeah, it's like, it'll turn up like on the call, like big beard and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. I'm it's like, all right. Okay, fair enough. You've definitely sold it, Nathan. Where do we, where do we sign up? Can I we know, start I'm right now? Let's right now. Uh, can you, can you add this into the homeschooling? Well, the thing is, I think for me, I've, I've never been a tutor, but I'm passionate about what I do. And point blank saw that we wrote the course and it comes from real time kind of evidence of what Pete's been doing with actual artists. And then I help pull it together into a 10 week program. And then we're now doing it. And the biggest result is the students absolutely yep. love it and they're getting everything they need from it. And you like, they're so inspired. Yep. And if, even if we inspire people to give up because they realize it's going to be really hard work, yeah, you yeah. still might not make it, even though you put all this time and effort mm-hmm. in, then they haven't wasted another five years of their lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've gone, actually, I want to go into sound design instead, or I want to do this instead, or I want to do club nights instead. Yeah. You know, like we've got Gary, who used to be the head promoter for Pasha. 
and he kind of nails it like in just such a British manner it's just like you know it's like you know you've got to have the passion to stay in this business otherwise you're going to fail and you're like oh my god and he's like he looks like a big barely bouncer yeah <laughs> But that yeah. just answers questions, answers questions that people just probably don't have access to, to asking anyone about that, those sort of questions. And also the social media world, it's so fast moving music now, isn't it? If you're not moving in the right direction at the right time, you can kind of get left behind quite easily in this sort of day and age in music, eh? Yeah, well, one of the big questions is, do I need to have social media? And the thing is, you know, yeah. But then how do you make it interesting content? How do you make it engaging content, you know? Yeah. I've learned loads of what I can do with genre music side of things as well. You know, watch those videos myself. I mean, particularly the more businessy ones, you know, I mean, got, you know, just some amazing interviewees on the course that every time I watch them, something else picks up and you're like, oh, right, of course. Yeah. And you, you just find ways of being able to be inspired by those things. And I think all you can do is kind of, I mean, for me, it's kind of personal development for artists. That's kind of what it is because that's what we've created. We've created this kind of tool toolkit and a journey you can go on to really put things in perspective so you can actually have a good shot at it. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't want that? You know, it's just like, you know, right, okay, like, this is a good guide. You know, so, yeah, we'll see how this year goes. We only did our first online course September to December. It was amazing. We've just started our new one. We've got 10... In April, we'll go up to 20 and we're kind of doing it slowly but surely as well because we want to be able to give the service that we want to offer. Yeah. And, you know, I've got also got genre music to focus on. So, you know, it has to be, be one of those things that when people start coming out the other end of it and get the results and stuff and people see the results are getting more and more people will take notice of that as well and people start yeah. flocking towards it more. Yeah, well, the social media launches next week and we haven't even launched it yet, you know, because Point Blank, I mean, very fortunate to have a partnership with Point Blank. They're the biggest music school for electronic music globally. Yeah. So they do an amazing degree course structure. They do all of these other courses and we're now a course within their, their whole world of what they do. So we're very close with Rob, who's the MD of Point Blank, and he's really pr proud about putting this together as well and really kind of backs us up to do this course. And that's given us the platform to launch. Mm. And, you know, we, we should have been talking at IMS last May, you know, whether we'll do IMS Malta this year, if that can happen in September, we might do IMS College. And then we might do ADE again, depending on what happens. And the social media, all of the talks, whether it even be at Brighton Music College or, you know, wherever it is, conference, sorry, then that will grow what we're doing. And yep. Because it's online, it's accessible. You can sign up and not even watch the live masterclass. You can go back and watch it again mm -hmm. and then still do all the exercises. Because, again, there's quite a lot of work involved. We've given – there's an Excel sheet. There's, there's mind mapping. There's creating playlists. There's doing DJ mixes. There's a whole kind of Pinterest boards, Instagram accounts, like loads of stuff. Yep. So there's a two-hour masterclass, but then you have to go away and work for ten to twenty hours to actually do the stuff. And that's yeah, if you're yeah. going to make it. You've got to you've got to put the time in, you know. And how many hours do we put into making a track? You know, just one track alone. You know, hundred hours. You know, sometimes. You know, and that's a good track, maybe time. So would you put a hundred hours into developing the other side of the music? You know, and, and that's really what we're tying together, really, with it. So, how do you go about getting a sunrise set at a yoga retreat for 150 people? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sounds like the best gig ever. That's like, you've made it. You've well, made it. <laughs> well, 
Well, this is something again that is, is a cliche. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the best advice all night, I think, right there. <laughs> Networking. Yep. with yoga instructors eh so there's a new market for us all to start networking with but you know fundamentally i think you know that came from a doing a sunset set in a restaurant but then being introduced to someone at that set from a friend and that friend worked in health and fitness obviously i used to work in health and fitness we started talking yep. that was in the april so that was in the easter and by the october we'd made it happen and you know my wife came with me she came to the retreat i did six gigs i think across four days but i did like because i do some i do uh music for dance meditation as well with the okay. same instructor so i curate the mixes and stuff like that and that's another product that will be coming out this year uh more for the wellness market whereas i'm creating the music as a dj and then she's doing the meditation over the top but she does it as dance meditation so okay. kind of wellness market is very interesting musically i'm definitely going to focus on it within what we do with honor as well nathan even on lockdown you're a busy man <laughs> you always get something going on you think my head hasn't my, my head hasn't popped off yet, but yeah, it might do. <laughs> I think the wellness the, the wellness has really come to the forefront of what everyone's been living through recently as well, haven't they? It's made everyone just regroup and evaluate things a little bit differently. So there's probably something to be said about the potential of more wellness based music events. Then, yeah, I mean, Gym Box in London does DJs in their gym on the cardio floor. It's like a nightclub, so you know that's a market alone. Then there's the wellness retreat side of things, whether you're doing sunrise yoga, like, you know, playing Neil's Fram for a candlelit yoga at the end of the night in the corner, sat on your decks, playing amazing ambient music and just soundtracking that moment. Or you're doing ecstatic dance, dance meditation music, which is pretty much club music, but done a little bit like Morning Gloryville. You know, it's a club without the other stuff that goes in clubs. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of, but, but, the wellness market is also populated with people now, I suppose, who are 25 to 45, really, who it's the other side of the culture, particularly in Ibiza. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, Pikes has got a yoga kind of pod in the garden now, and they do yoga every morning for the guests and stuff like that, and that's Pikes. Yeah, you know, yeah. Pikes is hedonism and bohemianism and let's go crazy. And you've got Midland playing on a Sunday afternoon in the poolside and then it goes off in a little Freddy's room. But actually in the morning you can wake up and go do some yoga. It is part of the scene now. Yeah. And, you know, I think because I've always been involved in it, I've got a lot of interest in it and also I've got a lot of experience within it. So I definitely see where there's some synergy working wellness and music, definitely, whether it be playlisting whether it be DJs or even live music, you know. And my dream, which I am going to do, is get us a contract in Ibiza. I'm 100% going to do it. I've been trying to do it for years. Yeah. I am going to do it. Yep. I'm going to persist and I'm going to get a hotel group in Ibiza and I'm going to get some DJs work there and I'm going to get some live musicians work there. And whether that be local talent or whether that be people from our roster in the UK who can go out and do certain stints, yeah, yeah. But there's a market for us globally, genre music globally. It's there's there's a market. It's just it's it's building back the business back up and then building the right strategy about how we can then be in key destinations. Yeah. You know, again, when I went to ADE, 
you've got DJs playing in all the restaurants, you've got DJs playing in all of the hotels. Yeah. Obviously, it was over the conference, so a lot of people will have sourced that locally. Yeah. Amsterdam, we could nail. You could yeah. actually nail it. It's no different to Leeds City Centre. It's no different to Manchester City Centre. Get yeah. a roster of good DJ talent, book them in to do the job. That's it. I think, like you said, it's a great opportunity possibly for that now because a lot of competitors probably have went by the wayside a little bit. Maybe it's time could be it could be a good time for you guys to build up, then reach out. Potentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, it's kind of I need to, yeah. The, the next two months, whilst we're still in this state of kind of pause, should yep. we say, I've got some opportunity to, to be strategic. And then there's going to be a period of happy stress, as I would call it, which is the bookings coming back in. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, happening, it's happening. So I won't really be able to focus on anything other than right doing that. But then once we get that working again, hopefully build my team back up again, yep. then I can go, right, what's, what, what's next? And... I also am grounded at the moment because I'm not traveling to Ibiza. I'm not going to Amsterdam. I'm not, you know, at the moment I can't even network in that way. And to be honest, yeah, you need that connection. Personally, I need to be in front of people to be able to tell them what we do. And obviously there's so much you can do on zoom, which is amazing. Yeah. But that face to face. The initial meeting yep. of even just walking into a bar and restaurant with a DJ playing and saying, is the manager here? And I'm then have a chat with the manager and saying, Oh, this is what we do. Yep. That can happen, you know, but, there's definitely a lot of green shoots and easy picking fruit that is already there for us. That is a phone call or it is a zoom call to try and re-engage. And then you take it from there. So there's a lot of work to do. Uh, no, you're right. you, but, sound like a mo- you sound motivated, more motivated than ever. Anyway, Nathan, you're a very motivated guy. You're an inspiring guy. I must say, me and John are getting inspiration off of this, aren't we, John? Totally, definitely. It's been an absolute pleasure. We really oh, appreciate it. Yeah, stay safe and we'll catch up with you again soon. Hopefully in more positive times ahead eh? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Right. Cool. Look after Look after yourself, Nathan, all right? You and the family. We'll catch you soon, all right? All the best, guys. Take care, all right? See you soon. Bye-bye, mate.